0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Blue Mountain Village Voices.
1: Joining us today is Tony Poole, one of four candidates for mayor in the upcoming Town of Blue Mountains municipal election. Tony has more than 40 years experience in leadership positions, including the roles of CAO and President in many different sectors, including financial services, insurance, technology, business development, general management, and retail marketing. Tony, along with his wife Josie, have been residents in the town of the Blue Mountains since 2009. They have also owned Sincerely Yours Boutique in downtown Thornbury since 2014, where they have contributed to local resident employment and great shopping experiences for over eight years. Tony's recent volunteer positions have included... Serving as president of the Blue Mountains Chamber of Commerce, serving as vice chair on the Thornberry Business Improvement Association, serving as member of the Town of the Blue Mountains Economic Development Committee, as well as serving on the Town of the Blue Mountains Community Recovery Task Force during COVID-19. I hope you enjoy this discussion that ranges from Tony's vision for the future, as well as balancing the many issues facing our local community and economy. Well, welcome, Tony Poole. Thank you for joining us today. You are one of the candidates for mayor in the upcoming municipal election. I just want to congratulate you for putting your hat in the ring and for uh, participating
0: in this uh, really important governance process in our town. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew, for having me here. You know, it's really a privilege for me to have an opportunity to speak to a group of individuals and people and residents that make up a very important part of the community. So, thank you.
1: Oh, you're very, very welcome. But before I start and sort of jump into the the questions, I'm wondering if you could just give us a little bit of background about your your experience, your career, what brought you to the town of Blue Mountains. What's your what's your connection to the community?
0: So my family and I have been here about 22 years. Uh, We originally had a weekend place in Craigleaf. And then about 12 years ago, we built a house in Fornbury. My wife started a business in Fornbury about uh, eight years ago. I spent uh, my entire corporate life uh, in the insurance business. And what in particular I think that brings to bear in terms of experience is that I was president uh, for North America of a member-based insurance company that was fraternal in nature. And what's important to understand is that it, because it was member-based, uh, excess profits went back into member benefits. Member benefits were scholarships for kids. They were infrastructure projects like housing, schools health and safety initiatives, community types of programs, where we actually put the money back in disaster recovery from hurricanes and tornadoes. Wow. So I was president for North America. And so part of that experience and that level of engagement, where you're dealing with a diverse community that stretches both national borders and regional borders, uh, I gained a lot of experience Of working with the local communities, getting them engaged, taking responsibility, working cooperatively as a group and actually implementing solutions that were aimed to, to solve some of the problems in the community. And then I worked obviously at a board level and and executive level. So I'm, I'm very familiar with working with diverse teams of expertise and then working towards what we can attain in terms of our goals. So I bring a, a vast corporate uh, business experience, along with the entrepreneurial uh, aspect of running a business in this community. And so I'm very familiar. And I've also participated in a number of committees. Economic development is an important one, the COVID-19 recovery task force. And so I have participated at a council level. So I'm very familiar with the issues that we have as a community and what needs to be a priority for us to get done. Yeah, that's that's great. You, your experience, I think, touches
1: on a couple of key priorities in the community. One being bringing people together, and the other being infrastructure and actually getting things done. And when you think about so much infrastructure need that we have, that's very valuable. I'm I'm wondering two follow up questions from that. On the infrastructure side, what have you learned from your time doing all that work? What are some secrets or lessons learned that help us get those infrastructure plans from strategies to execution. What is the secret there?
0: Well, I think if there if there was a, a secret, making sure you do your homework up front, mm. make sure that you have covered all the bases. But I've learned in in a role of leadership is that you cannot possibly have all the answers yourself. In the absence of solutions, you you obviously have solutions. But I think there's a lot of learning that comes with an engagement of your community and engagement of your your team. And if you bring forward those ideas in a constructive manner and you allow that idea to, to build, you can sometimes end up building something far better than you originally thought you could do. You have to have the vision. Yep. You have to have a game plan to get there. And you have to have measurable objectives in terms of how we know we're going to be successful. But you have to make sure that along the path you're going that your engagement is such that you've got your team in sync. Mm, Yeah, alignment, isn't it? Absolutely. Alignment is key. Yeah,
1: I agree with you 100%. The other thing that I think you highlighted your experience is sort of bringing people together and working across vast geographies and different communities. Town of the Blue Mountains is a really robust and dynamic community. You've got long-term residents who's been here for generations. You have brand new community members who've chosen to leave the city and and set up shop here you've got the tourism industry you've got different little downtown cores and the agricultural sector like it's we're a microcosm of Canada in a lot of ways Um, but it can be hard to bring those folks together all the time is there anything that any kind of um, best practices that you can draw on that can
0: help bring disparate communities together I think if you start with, when you've got people with diverse backgrounds and diverse interests, and perhaps they're not even in sync mm-hmm. in terms of what the solutions are, I think what you have to demonstrate is a respectful manner in where you have the engagement and you'll allow them to, to have input. And, and one of the things we need to understand that not everyone will always agree with the best interests for the whole. Okay. That we have to accept that. That's right. But I think people want to feel that they are able to voice whatever the concerns are and then work with them to make sure they understand, look, I I understand your issue, but we're after the same thing. So sometimes it's better to step back and look at the big picture and say, are we after the same solution? And if you get agreement in that, so you step back when you get engaged in these differences and you make sure you bring it back to the focus of what is the greater good. And you get that and you say, okay, now let's let's deal with this. I understand your concern, but here are some of these other issues you may not be aware and bring forward that information. And then what happens out of that, people understand that at least I've had an opportunity to voice it. Yep. I'm going to deal with the matter if it's an environmental issue, if it's a density issue, If it's, you know, the ambiance of what the town is, I think if you step back from that and we're all after the same thing, I think where people get out of sync and not aligned is they start to feel that the leadership is going after something completely different than their value proposition. Right. It's less about the details, Andrew, in terms of the specifics. And it's more about the vision or the overall thing that people get much more concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. It's funny. I've
1: heard a lot of people talk about community character and the character of the community. I think everyone is is worried about that and they want to protect it. What I've observed by working with different people is they define community character in different ways. Yes. Some might define it by how properties are built. Some might define it by the level of services you have, like healthcare or attainable housing or social services. Some might define it by the, the environment. And really, they all play a role. And I think that's where if you focus on the goal of, of a great community with character, and then you, you look at it all across all those lenses, it's a better way to approach it versus narrowing in on one aspect, because then you you miss the goal, which is to have a great community, right? right? Yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying. What motivated you to put
0: your hat in the ring to run for mayor? And, and what is your vision for the community? Well, let, let me start with my motivation. Uh, one of the things that I've spent the better part of the last eight years while I've, I've been retired from my, my business career, uh, working with my wife and, and building a, a small business here in the community. And I got engaged in a lot of things that were directly affecting the business community. I participated in committees. I felt it was important to bring expertise and input from that small business area. And I thought I could offer uh, some expertise from a broader perspective and a global perspective to some of those uh, interactions. And at the same time, I care about the community. My family's here, my brother, his family, my youngest uh, son and his family, and my mother-in-law was here uh, in uh, Aaron Run mm. in the uh, uh, retirement and long-term care. So I had a vested interest, Andrew, in this community as a whole. It certainly was something that I believed strongly. When my wife and I first came here and we made a commitment to this to be our permanent home, I understood why people fell in love with the area. The obvious charm of the community, the small town that people uh, talk about, obviously, uh, the Four season, the health-related uh, aspect, and the people, fundamentally the people. And so the very thing that became my paradise, if you will, was something that I valued and cherished. And I wanted to make sure that my family and their children and the next generation would see and witness the same thing that attracted me here, mm-hmm. and be able to experience it. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, to me, uh, it was very much a vested interest. So, I wanted to make sure that I continued that engagement to a level that I felt was important for me and my family. So, I I decided to run for the position as mayor because I wanted to make sure that I continued on with that same uh, level of understanding what I sensed the community was about, bring forward my experience because I felt that in terms of a governance standpoint and my expertise, my level of engagement with the community, my ability to lead teams and to get things accomplished, I felt would be beneficial. And uh, one of the areas that I felt we needed to deal with, and crucially was our level of engagement uh, with the county. Mm. And I felt that was important. And I, I sadly, I had witnessed enough in the last four years that it was clear to me that the relationship wasn't terribly productive. So when you start to see things like that happening and you look at the path it was going, I realized that's the wrong path. We have to find another path. And I think that I can bring experience from dealing with that in the last 40 years. And I have enough inherent understanding of this community and the gray county community that I felt I could bring that to bear in terms of representing uh, the town of Blue Mountains at the county level. And uh, a good part of that to me is working with people, mm. right? you know, and I've worked in the people business. Uh, and so I think that. We need to make sure that we find a productive relationship. I think we're all after the same thing. Yeah. I think we
1: are. It's funny. One of the things I've learned through the last few years, particularly as it relates to our response to the pandemic and this kind of massive disruption and reset, is that not taking for granted the value of relationship building and how, you know, in our work right now, it's almost job number one. Right. Because if we're cultivating relationships and we're carving out that time to listen and talk and communicate and commiserate, it's going to help us better deliver outcomes. And I think in the last few years, largely driven by the pandemic and some of the constraints, I think we stopped doing that right. collectively. And you can see the fracture lines as a result. So I, I fully agree with you.
0: Yeah. And yeah. An, an example where that can work at the county level, Andrew, is to actually develop. We have an opportunity this election. It's not just a change in the council of the town of Blue Mountain. And there's a lot of change at the county level. So there's a lot of new people coming board, right? So it's an opportunity to have a fresh start. And one of the things that I've learned through my experience is at the council level, there's a formality of how it's structured that's very difficult for people to work as a team, okay? Just the formality of how it goes a lot of work gets done below that level, one-on-one or maybe smaller teams. So perhaps an engagement level with the mayors or deputy mayors of Mm. those towns that are more directly in line with some of the issues that we share and meeting with them perhaps more informally to discuss those things so that when we get to that county level, we're much more supportive, much more aligned in terms of some of the issues and perhaps, it, you know, it's, after all, it's give and take. But I think if we we do it that way, and, and more importantly, too, if we can get our town staff at their various disciplines to interact, perhaps, with a level of engagement with some of the county peers, then we have a much more productive kind of relationship mm-hmm. and engagement that yeah. I think will serve us much better. That's
1: right collaboration. I know from the business community, collaboration has been our secret sauce of, of being a strong destination. And I think that can apply in the, the political realm as well. So figuring out those collaborative routes. And that's it's an example of where I think our small business and, and service economy can demonstrate to politicians a path that's successful. Okay, okay I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So... Following on the pandemic, obviously, our, we, we've got some economic recovery to do. But I want to know from your perspective, I mean, you, you've been uh, president chair of the Chamber of Commerce, you've led the BIA, you been very engaged in a lot of economic development. From your perspective, what do you think the biggest needs are in our local economy and where do you think the town council can best help? One
0: of the things that I'm very happy with what we accomplished at Economic Development, Andrew... Was the initiative to bring the film production companies to using the town of Blue Mountain and the general area as perhaps a, an area that they could produce films or movies in? And the reason I bring that as an example is because potentially it brings economic value in terms of the spending uh, that would presumably happen, an investment in infrastructure, jobs. Those are the obvious things. But what it does do. There's an inherent benefit from that invisibility for the community. But also, I I think that it diversifies, you know, Mm -hmm. the general economy that I think is very beneficial for us. And the more that we can bring about that kind of broader appeal for business investment, the better. Absolutely. We are historically an agricultural based economy. We are heavy on tourism and attraction. That's the mainstay of a lot of what's going on in, in the community. But we also have small business mm-hmm. and we have suppliers to those industries, but we have some unique businesses that are entirely different. And we have become a community for entrepreneurs where, and in COVID-19, what happened there was some people left the, the major centers, moved into environments and communities that were much more appealing as a family community, and they started to work from home. And so we've started to see some other creative artistic ventures started in this community. And I think that enriches us beyond just one particular view. So one of the things I think from a town standpoint is that if we can nurture that or facilitate it in in terms of the, the film production, is an example, where you facilitate and allow those people who are looking at us as a potential destination to do that, you make it easy for them to do business. So I think from a town standpoint, the more the town can make it easy for business to do business here, the better. And that, to me, making it easy, what does that really mean? It means reducing the amount of time you spend going through what I go unnecessary bureaucratic process. And you mitigate into a focused approach where you can say, this is the things that you need, whether you're a restaurant or a small business. And uh, if you're talking about the Niagara Escarpment as an example, a lot of times people here, we find out that we can't put a deck on the back of a house because we have to engage the Niagara Escarpment first. But sometimes you don't find that out at the right time. right? And so it's almost uh, you stumble. And so what you do on a resident basis, sometimes you stumble over a process to get something done that's small, that kind of, of complexity or bureaucratic uh, process is partly what businesses as a whole suffer from. Yeah. So I think where the town can assist is making that process perhaps more packaged, uh, more streamlined, and allow people to to be able to get things done uh, on a faster basis for sure yeah I, I think that you used
1: a really great example there on the film production side and that eliminating red tape i know what the town is working on is trying to make sure the, the permitting process is easy and simple and thought of in advance so that when the film companies come it's not a pain point right. and that's the difference between securing a production or not compared right. to others so that's little things like that and what i love about It's just a good example of collaboration. So as the town has been working on that piece to sort of um, help facilitate a more seamless experience here at at Blue Mountain, we had a production, a Netflix production here. Um, We've been actively courting the production crew and we launched a film festival this year and the whole point of our film festival was to raise the awareness of the destination for film work, right. and also you know it, it helps us to use our conference facilities and to you know attract uh, groups. But also the film festival became a, a new arts and culture experience for the local community, and uh, puts us on the map in an, in an arts and cultural way. So it's just like you know triple bottom line of economic benefits. And one of my favorite parts about the film fest was we actually worked with some economic development folks in the town and some counselors. And we did a we did a tour of the town with the production companies. So we we had all of the producers here for the film festival. And we took them on a, a bus tour around all the different sites in the town. And so that's an example where deep collaboration can benefit everyone. And, you know, the town needs organizations like the village. It needs organizations like the Chamber, Clarksburg Village Association, the agricultural sector to do that deep collaboration. And so I think uh, it's a really good example of where... Not only can we get it right, but if we're thinking about the benefits of
0: others right. and other sectors, everyone wins. So it's, exactly, yeah. it, and and that's why I thought it was a perfect example. Yeah, no, it's a, it was a really good one. I'm glad you raised it. And one of the, sorry, just one other thing that I think the town did, and through economic development, uh, and especially from a point of view of recovery from COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. was that they made funds available to. Yeah. Uh, the Village Association, to Clarksburg Association, to the BIA. So they made funds available that were put out there to help bring back people, make them feel more Mm -hmm. confident to come and visit. And there's a lot of good things that have happened out of that. And uh, I look at Clarksburg. One of the things that they've done in Clarksburg now is on the long weekend, they're having those arts and crafts. And it's brought about a whole level of new visitors to the Clarksburg community that we perhaps haven't had in in a long time. Yeah.
1: And it was some pretty innovative landowners on the one end there that sort of redeveloped that part of Clarksburg. It's such a great experience there. It's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? That's sleepingdogsmovie slash wondery. Okay, let's talk about. I'll try not to go too in the weeds, but yeah. I think you've got you've got a good handle on and an understanding. Particularly from a small business perspective, and that's what I want to hear from you a little bit about the labor supply issue and the challenges on recruit and recruiting talent. From my seat, it's pretty widespread. The municipality is having a hard time recruiting staff. We are here at the village egg everywhere. what What's your take and, and how how deep a problem do you see it? and and where do you think the quick win solutions are to sort of strengthen our labor market locally?
0: Uh, first of all, uh, I'm glad you raised this because it's a big issue. Uh it's not just a Ton of Blue Mountains problem or yep. even a county problem. Toronto has the same problem. Yeah. And and the interesting thing about that whole issue is that, you know, people say, well, why all of a sudden have we got this problem? And, and it's important to understand the problem because it's, we start to identifying solutions, right? That COVID-19 changed everything. And what happened with COVID-19, Andrew, was that a lot of the people who were in the pool of employees, and I'm not just talking about the servers at the restaurants and the obvious places we see that, but senior people, corporations, Uh, a lot of people, nursing is a prime example of what I'm going to talk about here, Uh, decided to leave and retire. Yeah. Okay. And why is that important? Because from a demographic standpoint, COVID-19 accelerated what would have naturally been something that would have occurred over a few years, mm-hmm. and perhaps we would have been able to back that in. Overnight, when the camps came back, there was no counselors, and people didn't understand what, where did all the counselors got. Well, think about it. The 15-year-olds are now 18-year-olds. They had moved on. There was nobody training the younger people to come in because we had this two-year gap. And I use that as an example to illustrate why we got a problem. Yeah. So this is not a short-term problem. It is a long-term problem. And it's not going to be solved in the short term. You're right. right? Absolutely right. So we have the same problem in our business, uh, and we're trying to hire now. And so some businesses have gotten creative in solutions, they're bringing employees in and commuting and bringing them in. I know Collingwood is bringing some people in from communities like Brampton and Toronto uh, and busing them in. Yeah, individual businesses are busing people in. Yeah. Yeah. And so people are finding accommodation solutions because the obvious thing to say, well, we have a problem with, with staffing because we don't have accommodation. Private businesses, and you know them, they're doing it here at the village, are renting facilities Bringing in people, giving yep. them, uh, housing and trying to use that. So we have a lot of short-term solutions that people are trying to do, trying to engage retired individuals to come back and work part-time. And the resort has been instrumental in doing that. If you look at a lot of the roles, especially in ski season, yep. a lot of the people that are manning the, the, the lift areas are yep. all retired people, right? Yep. So there's see this- a lot of
1: their restaurants too.
0: Yep. Yeah, So you've got this combination of short-term things. But one of the things I think that we should be looking at uh, and engaging is in a discussion is if you look at the labor pool as it relates to skilled trades, one of the problems, and they're witnessing the same issue, but what we're having a problem with is we're running out of skilled trades, and the skilled trades are retiring, and there's nobody behind them to back them up. So one of the things is, can we work with the high school? Uh, Beaver Valley uh, is an elementary school, but we have the new high school in Beaver. Yeah. Can we work with Collingwood? Can we work to bring about a skill development program for high school kids? Can we work for the community colleges? Uh, My nephew uh, works locally here with a contractor. He's a carpenter. He goes to college and then he works. We have to find a way that we can engage more young people mm-hmm. into these kinds of trades so that we can build a future where we won't wake up one day and discover we can't get the plumber or whatever. Yeah. So the issues we're talking about are not short term. We have s- some short term solutions, but we have to look at some longer term solutions yeah. and making sure. And all of that it goes into it, is housing. It's all of the obvious things we talk about. But I think that we need to look at uh, investing perhaps in some of those kind of training programs yeah. uh, so that we can uh, create opportunities for young people. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny.
1: I think we have so many zones of excellence in our community and they've built up and grown largely by creating their own infrastructure. So I think of agriculture, the agricultural industry has really created its own community. It supports each other. It's built best practices, they've got collaborative models, tourism is like that, and even development and even building. So it's funny, when we talk about development here, a lot of people focus on the number of new homes, the impact on development. But I recently did a home renovation. Actually, the beginning of the the pandemic, I'm like, I'm working at home, I might as well give some business to some people and do some home renovations. And one of the things I observed when I went through that process was all of the really great services that are here for people's homes and properties. So I'm talking about the good painters, the amazing retail stores that have products, the incredible selection of fixtures, finishes. I found an incredible local countertop maker. Like the depth of uh, interior design and home capacity here is really strong. We have talent that I think many markets like ours doesn't have, but there's an economic story to be told about, you know, there's a reason why our real estate values are so high. It's because we've got the furniture stores, we've got the designers, we've got the, we've got the talent and the infrastructure here, but we're not necessarily taking it to the next level. It's been built homegrown. We don't have that design school. We don't have, or in tourism, you know, we're one of the biggest tourism destinations but I think young people still think of traveling to Whistler to get that experience, or they go to George Brown College instead of Georgian for tourism. Right. We're a zone of excellence. So I think the more we can identify those zones of excellence and leverage them. So your point about the trades, that sector on building and development needs that infusion of more more skilled trades to take it to the next level. So I I know there's a lot of questions about development, but I look at it from the other end, which is we have all these businesses, local magazines, design magazines, uh, designers, uh, talented builders, and they're so good. So how do we celebrate them and help them succeed in different ways, right? Right. Yeah, it's an interesting one. That's my tirade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to spend too too much time on housing because I think you're pretty dialed in on that. But I would ask you, maybe we're nowhere aligned on housing, but it seems to be taking longer to get that diverse housing online.
0: Any things you would think that this next council should really prioritize to sort of take us to the next level? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, let's be clear. The housing problem is not going to be a one solution issue. I think a lot of good solid work has been done on attainable housing. I think like everybody else, I'd like to see that solution get implemented uh, now, yeah. not, not later. But I think in the short term, there's some things that we can do. And then even in the longer term, there's some other things we can do. So case in point, a development project that's going on in Collingwood right now as a part of a sky development that's doing it. And it's uh, three buildings, about four stories high as rental accommodation. They're actually pretty close to getting the spade in the ground. Uh, and it's just started recently. It's a private sector solution. Mm. It's not a, it's not a, a publicly funded So there's one project that I think if we could emulate elements of that, find a developer who's willing to come in, get them to invest, work with them and incentives to do that. And that might be deferral of of development charges and so forth, much like I think uh, people have talked about. But then I think you also have to look at, is there something creative? I can tell you that one of the projects that we're looking at as a community is to create a a campus of care and to bring about uh, some investment there uh, to provide long-term care and retirement. More healthcare facilities too, right? Right. So here's an example. Can we work with the owners of Air and Run to basically say, look, we'll allow you to work in that kind of project with us or something else, but we'd like to talk to you about taking your Air and Run property and converting it to some form of attainable housing. And so a conversion project like that, while it takes some time, is a shorter timeline than Mm -hmm. some of the other initiatives we've been talking about, uh, whether it be public or or private. And then on top of that, can we work with accessory suites, granny suites, as some people refer to them? Can we do something to enhance or fix the bureaucratic process so that uh, local uh, homeowners can convert some of their uh, property into usable space that serves some of that short term. A project that comes to mind is what about a motel? I mean, Penny's Motel in town is an exceptional uh, conversion. It brings value. I'm really happy uh, about what they've done with it. Yeah, it's incredible. But, But is there some other properties that might be similar to what Penny's was in the past and can we work with them to provide some form of kind of short term yeah. or conversion project? So in other words, what I'm talking about here, Andrew, if we look at multiple ideas, we get creative in our solution. If we work in partnership and engage a number of parties, then I think we might surprise ourselves and find a spectrum of solutions that are immediate, midterm and longer term.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you're running to be mayor. So a topic like attainable housing and, and implementing some of these solutions cuts across a number of policy pieces, particularly the official plan and, and, and a number of others. And of course, you're going to have this diverse community with diverse points of view there. So uh, and I think that's been one of the challenges of the efforts thus far is a lot of work to engage the community, get points of view, take the time to get alignment. And that takes time. But in a leadership position, what do you think you would bring to the table to get things quicker? What what could you help the fellow counsellors and yourself do to sort of get us closer to delivering outcomes?
0: I think foremost, number one, is accept the fact that we will have diverse views. Yeah. But if we are all working to the same common cause, then I think we have to speed up the process of engagement to a point where we respectfully get the input. But that we don't get bogged down unnecessarily on some issues mm-hmm. that prevent us from actually implementing a solution. So I think we have to get engagement, no question. But I think we need to streamline that level of engagement to the point where on a respectful basis, we get the input, but we move forward in a productive manner that speeds up the process. Yeah. And, and I think that it not everyone is going to embrace all of the solutions that we need to implement and I think we have to accept that but I think the majority absolutely see the value in what we're doing so I think it's to get on and get the job done Yeah, I've definitely seen instances in some of the work
1: of late where we've had more community input than ever before, hundreds of people have weighed in and yet proposals being brought forward to council are deferred so that tells us there's something wrong in the ability to commit. And I think that's where things need to evolve, both on the getting the homework done up front and having the courage to make the decisions.
0: And hopefully what what's not happening, sometimes what can happen in that kind of uh, level is that we've missed something. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's that, fair. Right? Yeah. And, that's, and that's fair. And I think uh, if that's the case, then we have to make sure. That's right. I think one of the things we need to make sure we do a better job of is making sure we go through all of that process up front, that we understand all the issues uh, so that we don't get continually bogged down because, oh, I didn't consider this or I didn't think about that. Because then it has to be put to uh, the operations team to come back and say, well, we need a report on yeah. this, right? We need to make sure all of us, whether we're members of council, or the community at large, that we do our homework, that Mm -hmm. we understand the issues. And if we do that, and we are open to ideas, and if we are all interested in the same values of what we're trying to do, uh, we can accomplish anything. And it's been my experience, certainly, that when everyone is aligned, you can speed everything up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alignment is critical. In the Craigleaf sort of village area of the town, the east end of the town, we've experienced a fair bit of growth. <laughs> that's an understatement. A lot of new communities, a lot of residential neighborhoods, and the developments are at various stages of completion. And we're at a point now where we're seeing some gaps. So whether that's yeah. the trails, safe sidewalk crossings, traffic lights, green space, parks, investments, things like that. There's a long path for development, but this is a, it's another example of where things are taking a long time and when you're in this in-between zone, you defer all of that kind of building. But the the, the new residential members, particularly in the East End, are, are really concerned about the safety and the connectivity. What's your sense on how we can advance some of those those needs? And do you see any other priorities in the Craigleith area that need some attention?
0: Well, I think you're speaking to something that the whole town as a community is suffering from, the yeah. infrastructure, right? And uh, sometimes it's more apparent in, in communities that have had fire. Greater growth, right? Number one, we need to put our priorities to making sure our community is safe. And if we have issues, which we do have, and we all know that Highway 26 corridor, whether you're talking about uh, the east or the west side yeah. of the Tonnebu Mountains, there's some crucial areas that need to be dealt with. I'm a big believer in pathways and, and cycling. And I think if we look at the Georgian Trail as an example, there's some things I think that could make the Georgian Trail Even a better experience to allow for uh, a broader mix of of users. I mean, it's one of the largest and come in a cumbered pathways we have from Meaford to Collingwood, right? Is there a way that we can take that trail and do something that allows perhaps these electrically assisted uh, bikes? to have a, a certain path and walkers to have another path yeah. to keep everyone safe. And I, I opened that up as an opportunity for discussion because there are things I think that we can do that will make it a better experience and at the same time address safety concerns and issues that people have talked to me about, right? Yeah. And I think also, if you look at some of the pathways and trails that we have over the years, we've had, unfortunately, flooding has been a big mm. you know, issue here. And, you know, erosion of areas, pathways are a big factor. So one of the things we need to make sure is that we continue to keep these pathways, you know, safe. And if if you look at where the uh, Georgian Trail crosses over Highway 26, it's very unsafe. Is there something we can do in terms of lights on uh, mm-hmm. Highway 26? Flashing indicators or something that will give the traffic uh, an idea that there are people crossing with their bikes. There's got to be some solutions that can make that safer. So I think that what you're talking about, Andrew, absolutely, and Craigleaf, but it's also true in areas like Clarksburg, for example. I know in Clarksburg, one of the things that they're concerned about is traffic calming. Yeah. Can, can we look at ways to slow down that traffic? And I use that flashing light is just because I've seen it in some other communities. Yeah. It does slow people down. are there things like that that we can do to slow people down? I think that, you know, if you get over to the other side of uh, the town of Blue mountains and you, you get where ghost yeah, we've had a number of accidents. Unfortunately, people killed. Yeah. And I think that left turn, it doesn't go into ghost miss with a left turn. Can we look at doing something and working on that to solve the problem? Or can we change the exit or entrance from Goldsmith? So like, I think there are things that we should be looking at from a health and safety standpoint, from a priority standpoint. Yeah. And it's all tied into the overall transportation plan. But as I think if you've pointed out, and we've all discussed, there are long-term issues that take an inherent amount of time. We just have to look at the turn circle uh, initiative down here at yeah. the village, right? Uh, what, 20 years we've been mm-hmm. talking about that? Yep. Uh, So if you look at those kinds of things, there are the bigger picture items that need to be dealt with. And then there are more immediate things that we need to do. And I think the priority has to rely on health and safety. And then, you know, look at the reinforcing a positive experience, those kinds of issues. And then, you know, overall, linking our paths and and our, our cycling trails and all those things you know, to look at that uh, official plan and and make sure that we at least have a vision. It doesn't mean it's all going to get there tomorrow, but do we have a vision that actually ties that in? Yeah. And are we addressing some of those issues? And parking, you know, is part and parcel. of all that, right? Yeah.
1: I like that you ended that with vision because when you think about one of the things we were talking about community character, accessibility, connectivity, the ability to get out of a car and travel on foot, four seasons those are all things that are about community character and experience right Right. so you continuing to draw the links to that it makes sense i think it lets people know why those are priorities right yeah but on the flip side and you know again for everyone that gets elected observing how these council terms take place the needs only grow the expectations only get higher right in
0: your career have you found a way of prioritizing that works so the answer is yes. Yeah. And, and I, I think that one of the things that we have to view the next four-year term from a council standpoint is there's the official plan, which is generally speaking, multi-municipal governments and, and multiple terms of elected council members. And uh, then there's short-term things. So you've got the big picture and the things that we want to do. Development is, is even phased in in that. So I think what the people who are elected, who are on council should be looking is at least within the four year term, if they're going to look back at this. And one of the things that I want to be able to do is at the end of four year terms and say, what did I do? What are my measurable uh, achievements for that four year term? And I don't want to just say, oh, I contributed to this aspect of the official plan. You know, if that's all I've done in four years, Sadly, it's not very productive, right? (laughs) What I want to be able to say is, I fixed this problem that we had on this road. I fixed this problem for the community that it's better than when I found it. I fixed this health issue. I've got something that's in the ground that stands that says attainable housing or has solved the housing problem. In other words, at the end of four years, I don't want to be still talking about a strategy. A strategy. Yeah. Or we were going to get this phase or whatever. And here's the biggest problem with any of these things that we're talking about, Andrew, is that when you stand back and you talk about campus of care as, an, as a prime example, great vision. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very broad approach to what you want to do. There's nothing that's being talked about that I can't buy into and say what well, we have to do. The problem is, it becomes this big picture issue and we're not going to get that done in four years. Yeah. Right. Very unlikely. So can I start with getting a retirement facility or a long-term care or assisted mm-hmm. uh, living? In other words, start with small measurable bites yeah.
1: phasing and sequencing. Yeah,
0: you got it. And if, yeah. and if I can say I got at least one of the four things done, or the two things, or whatever we determine as a, as a council to be our priorities. I think if this council is going to do something productive, it's for them and the very first couple of meetings decide what are the priorities. There will be the emergencies and things that we don't plan on. COVID-19 hit this last council. Yeah. And to their credit, they responded But those kinds of things kind of take you out of of trying to do certain things, right? So what we need to look at is, at least agree, what are the priorities that we hope to achieve in this four-year term? And all the other noise that's out there that comes up, try to sort out to what is important, what is critical, but keep focus on the priorities that we've determined that we're going to make a difference to this community. And if we do that then we will have served the public well and the confidence they put in us as an elected official to do something to help support this community. Yeah,
1: I think that's that's a great answer and good advice to anyone in a leadership position who's trying to figure out how to balance an ever-growing list. So that's good advice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Just as a colleague and a friend, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. I know participating in an election is a lot of time, A lot of requirements and taking this time to sit with us and and share is really helpful. And I also want to just thank you for all of the work that you do do for the community. And I've sat with you on various committees, whether it was the Chamber of Commerce, whether it was the Economic Development Advisory Committee, I always thought that you did such a great job of not only bringing the perspective of the small business, but also trying to look at the big picture. And I also think you are great at challenging the status quo. And we've had lots of good uh, chats on that, on those groups. So I just, I want you to know how much the people in the community appreciate that. And you might not hear that often from your business colleagues, but it is definitely something that I've always admired in in you. So, um, so I want to wish you all the best in the campaign and uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you,
0: Andrew. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening to Blue Mountain Village Voices, a production of the Blue Mountain Village Association. For more, go to bluemountainvillage.ca.
0: Another SoundOff Media Company podcast.